When you came in today, you had a scripture uh, paper there, and that's what we're going to be referencing today. If you want to get that handy or open your Bibles to 1 John 1 to 10, the incarnation of the word of life. 1 John 1, 1 to 10. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Let's pray with Wes. Lord, lift up your servant Wes as he leads us in your word. Uh, bless everything we hear to your honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have not noticed there were a few references already this morning to the theme and title of the message and our passage this morning, we're going to look at it in a little different way, so there's a bit of a surprise uh, coming for you. But um, we want to start out by uh, talking a little bit about this word of life. And I don't know if you listened to that, but in a few minutes here, we're going to have uh, an opportunity for a few people to help us reflect on this particular passage. But I first want to just tell you a story uh, that helps illustrate the power of words. As a boy, there's a, there's a by the way, a, a well-known speaker, uh, Larry Crabb, and he actually comes out of the, the Grace community in Warsaw and um, has, is well-known speaker and psychologist. He says he recalls uh, one time as a young man he felt uh, pressure by expectation to pray out loud because that was the tradition of his church. In a terribly confused prayer, he recalled thanking the Father for hanging on the cross and praising Christ for triumphantly bringing the Spirit from the grave. When he finished, he said to himself, I will never, ever pray out loud in front of a group again. At the end of the service, he wanted to escape before any of the elders came to correct his poor theology. But Jim Dunbar caught him before he could get out. And he said to him, Larry, there's one thing I want you to know. Whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you 1,000%. And Larry wrote in, in one of his books, 
He said, even as I'm here sitting and writing these words, my eyes fill with tears. I have yet to tell that story to an audience without at least mildly choking. Those words were life words. They had power. They reached deep into my being and changed the whole trajectory of my life, basically. The outward call can be so powerful when we hear God speaking through others. The power of words, the power of making a difference. And uh, we, so we see this passage from the writings of John. And the first thing I want us to understand about these writings and what he's writing in this particular passage is that he is writing as a corrective to some very disruptive and divisive voices that were preaching and teaching something counter to the gospel that he had taught and that they had presented to them. John's testimony of Jesus Christ as the word of life is the foundational truth that exposes the lies of the false teachers. Those antichrists who are attempting who were attempting to destroy the churches in Asia Minor taught lies regarding the person and work of Jesus Christ. Uh, these, for these false teachers, Christ was either an emanation from God that appeared to be a man, or he was a man upon whom Christ resided from his baptism uh, to just before the crucifixion. And there's heresy riddled throughout um, and that God could actually never become man. Um, and it was, it was a Greek philosophy that they were mixing with some of the Christian beliefs. In the beginning in John's letter, it primarily relates to the gospel about proclaiming the truth. So let's understand this. We know this if you are, I, I know there's hardly any sports watchers or people interested in sports in the congregation. That was being uh, facetious. But the, the, the reality is that how many teams actually win games by only playing defense? In other words, we're always just going to defend Christ. That's it. And what John is saying here is, I don't want you to simply avoid those false teachings I want you to take the proclamation of the reality of who Christ is and what he's done. I want you to take it out there. Your battle over truth has to come down to what you proclaim and what you take command over because Christ has won that battle for you and it's yours to go and to uh, proclaim and exalt and, and give testimony to and, and that word testify is, is not just standing at a pulpit preaching. That word testify in scripture is, is a, a way of bringing forth what we know and have seen and have experienced. So there is power that overcomes. It's not simply defending against all of the lies. It is actually a much greater thing. 
So the word of life in this reference, which comes to us in the, uh, in the very first uh, verse, he says, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, proclaiming, another word for testifying, and letting people know and getting the word out. Um, so uh, we, we, we get out the word about the carnival. We get out the word about uh, a women's fellowship gathering. We get out the word about a need for greater prayer for different situations that we're facing here and around the world. We, we put that out there. And in the same way, the good news of what God is doing, we should be putting that out there. And, and, and really, something that we need to work at is praising more and more and proclaiming more and more the great things that are happening. You know, um, it's great to get a call, as we did this week, you know, for a, a praise. You know, but most of the time we, we get calls, it's about a need, and you should, please call every time. But again, how much do we count our many blessings and name them one by one? And you can say it with me, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And so what John says in the very beginning of this passage is powerful where he says to the things that we have seen and the things that were done and he gives testimony that he personally saw this stuff happen. And because of that, because of the power in Christ's ministry, he can't help but say, it's because of that that we give you this instruction, this encouragement, this testimony. Anybody can find things wrong with something, but to find something right is the even greater challenge that is there. Um, and so I want to introduce to you the, this morning uh, something that uh, has been a part of uh, LMC recently over the last number of years, but I'm just getting more and more acquainted with it. Some people talk about it as uh, the more kind of churchy term for it over the years has been Lectio Divina. Yeah, now I, I'm, you can remember that if you want to. Um, but basically the, the uh, more common term for it would be dwelling in the word. Okay, and so this is significant because I just want to say a few words about this. Um, it's been significant because we have been doing that at our gatherings. And so last Saturday, a week ago, yesterday, I was at meetings all day in Lancaster. And one of the most powerful things of the whole meeting wasn't the announcement or the presentations or the, the great speakers. Uh, we had a great celebration for Keith Weaver, who, who uh, is retiring uh, from, from his ministry in the conference um, he'll still, still be a great servant for the Lord. Um, but we, so we celebrated that. But the highlight of the time was walking through a passage of scripture in which we practice this dwelling in the word. Now you say, what in the world does this have to do with the theme this morning? It has to do with this. We don't nearly enough allow God 
to speak to us even in reflecting on scripture. We don't nearly enough allow ourselves to take time to hear God, how God is, is what he's saying to our, to our very situations that we're in. What we do is we do a scripture reading on Sunday mornings and then we get on with the sermon and see how interesting the sermon is, how well it may tie in with the scripture or not. Um, but we generally move right past the scripture and, and get to, to, to whatever the message is out of it. And the, the point is that if this, as it was for Larry, in someone, an elder in the church coming to him and speaking that powerful word of life to him, the question is, how do we read scripture in a way that God is speaking his word of life to us every day? So we're going to practice this a little. This is, a, uh, this is not uh, a, an elaborately planned thing because... I have no idea who, who will hear or respond. I would like three people to come, to volunteer, to walk through uh, a little exercise on hearing the word of life speak to us. And we're going to say, use the same passage, uh, but if you would come on up, uh, three people, I need three volunteers to come up and, and help with this. Uh, you can be nervous all you want to, but still come up. That's fine. Three people that be willing to just come and respond. I'll have three simple questions for you to walk, to walk through. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Um, but just uh, come on up. One more. One more. Don't be scared. Oh, thank you, Anna. Come on up and, and have a seat. If you can scoot him back if you need a little more legroom. I don't know how the positioning was there. So let me introduce these three to you. Uh, you. You all know Willie Miller. If you don't, get to know him. He's an inspiring man. Anna King uh, is, is just a delightful uh, young adult that is, is helping with our leadership uh, team with Young Adult Ministries that we're we're starting and uh, getting in place and have begun the fall schedule for that. And I'd like to especially introduce you to probably so, someone that you haven't maybe had a chance to meet. Workana is from Ethiopia. He's a student at the seminary. And, um, and he is, uh, a, has served over 20-some years as a professor and teacher and pastor uh, in, uh, in the Masoretic Christos Church, which is the Mennonite group with very long historic ties to LMC, to Lancaster, and uh, through EMM, and, uh, and has served in that. And, and so um, it's great to have uh, him with us here. And, and by the way, I, I just, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to embarrass you. Uh, Ebenezer, would you stand? And, and if you haven't met, uh, antennae, uh, antennae stand as well. Now, get to know these men. These men all have roots in the Masoretic Christos Church. And the power of that for me is, is just the joy of being part of this group of believers. Uh, so brothers and, and uh, in the kingdom together with the church that is exploding in Ethiopia. So they're also both students at the seminary. Ebenezer's 
newer antennae has been with us a little over a year and a half or so. But if you see them around, get to know them. They're wonderful men of God and wonderful. Uh, uh, just it's, it's just great to have them uh, be part of our fellowship and worship together. Thank you. You guys can be seated. So I, I just had to take time to do that now. Uh, here is the passage. So I'm going to read this passage again. Oh, wait, we already read it. So you have it all memorized, right? Uh, okay, let's read it again. And here's what I want you to think about. The first question is going to be, uh, the first question that I have is going to be, what sticks out for you? What jumps out at you? What what sort of catches your mind, stops you cold, some people say. All of a sudden, this particular thought or this word strikes you. You may not even know why, but uh, that's the first thing to listen for. Uh, the second thing that we'll get to is the question, what does this text say about God? And what does this text say about people? And the third question is, how does this text challenge us to respond? personally and as a corporate group. So let's listen uh, with those questions in mind. Listen again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, he is in, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Just to give you an opportunity. Okay, so no order, just uh, whoever would like to share. Let's think about that first question. What, what really s stuck out for you? What jumped out at you when you first saw this? And we'll, we'll, we'll move through this fairly quickly, but uh, to just give an example. So uh, who would like to start? Uh, even when we read it first, the thing that struck out to, stuck out to me was word of life. And for some reason or other, I don't know as I ever made that association, word there is capitalized. And it means Jesus, Jesus of life. And it just struck me in a different way that a very important portion of this is 
We're talking of Jesus, the one of life. Yeah, <clears throat> the, same, the same is also true for me. Uh, that's the word, of, the word of life. The word of life. This word of life is an eternal life. The, the life is about not temporal life, but it is eternal life. Uh, when we read that passage from verse 1 to verse 10, we find the word life mentioned repeatedly. Not one time, two times, maybe three times, four times. So the point of the text is about life. There is nothing better than life. There is nothing better than Jesus. Jesus is a life. Jesus is a way. Jesus is the truth. So John is talking about life, about truth, about light. All these metaphors are just to explain Jesus. This is the, 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 the most possible, strong metaphor explaining about, describing about Jesus. That's, that's the point. Thank you. Um, I think... Um Fellowship is a huge thing in this, and one of the verses was, and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And I think that's very important, I mean, other than life and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, she should, I should give her my notes, because that's, that's in my notes, so she's, she's going to go ahead and preach for us this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the things that we do, uh, and what they've just shown us, is to say, Make a note, uh, underline, highlight when you're reading scripture uh, to, to say what, what, what hit me. Maybe, maybe it's even a question, like I, I don't understand this. Uh, but highlighting that is one of the ways, it's, it's the beginning of dwelling in the word because we're taking it deeper than just reading it for a surface read. Um, let's move to the second question, which is what does this text tell us about God, who God is to us. And what does it tell us about people? And what does it tell us about ourselves? Uh, response to that, the, that question. Yeah. Uh, you know, this text, John just witnessed about the word of life. And when he just witnessed about the word of life, he said that we speak to you what we heard, what we see, not only what we see, but what we looked at. We see, we looked at. There are two phrases talking about the same thing. That means that is the point of emphasis. Not only hearing, not only looking or seeing, but also what we have touched by our, our own hands. So it is certain. We are sure, okay, about the word of life that we are talking about. We don't have no doubt at all. So that word of life is revealed to us, we've heard, we've seen, we've touched, so we are talking about this word of life. 
This word of life is identified with light. There is no darkness in him. Light is the opposite of darkness. So, if we are just living in the light, uh, if, if we claim that we are living in the light, yet uh, walking in the darkness, if we claim that in, we are in the light, but if we are not walking in that way, we are lying. That's what, what the text says. So, anyway, God is, or Jesus is life, truth, light. All these positive metaphors is being identified with God or with Jesus. That is yeah. the point of my reflection. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so he obviously read my sermon notes too because, uh, <laughs> because uh, it, it, you know, well, let me, let me give an, uh, a chance for Willie and Anna to respond as well. Um, yeah, I was just going to add on that it says, you know, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and we are purified from all sin. And I think that's very important to add. Uh, again, the item that strikes me is a little bit what Anna said at first. It talks about the fellowship. And one of the things that I thoroughly enjoy is coming to church here and have the fellowship of all of you. Uh, I'll talk to persons that I haven't maybe talked to for a while or something like that. This camaraderie, this, this closeness, this feeling of oneness with each of you. And that's what we're to have with, it says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. That same close fellowship that we have with each other is to be with God the Father and with the Son. That's just tremendous. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was interesting. Uh, I've never done this before, but at the meetings a week ago yesterday, you know, you're, I'm there from 8 to 4, so you're literally there 8 hours with this group, and then I hit the road to drive home. And one of the things I did in my notes uh, during one of the sessions was I made a list of all of the people that I had a, even, even if it was brief, a significant conversation with. Because I wanted to basically make sure I remembered their names for the next time and the next gathering. But that fellowship that, that you've talked about is, is a pretty powerful thing because um, we'll talk a little bit more about it in a bit, but, but John highlights that fellowship as the goal of the reconciliation work of Christ on the cross for us. That, that there was this sense of an intentionality of reuniting us to God and reuniting us with one another. Um, it's, it's so interesting because we see this principle at work all over the place, even in the secular world. Um, if you have a chemistry with a team or with a, a, a group of people and you have this sense of commitment together, there is something in that fellowship that binds us together in a new way. And when that is centered around Christ, it gives us a sense of purpose and mission. And there's nothing more struggling that we have sometimes than feeling that we're, we're just all alone and nobody understands. 
So there's really power in that message of the fellowship that's there. Let's go to the third question. How does this text challenge, what does this say to you in terms of responding? How do you feel challenged to go and do something about what you've seen in this text? Um, I think for me, one of, in verse 9, it says if we confess our sins, I think that could be a challenge. Um, you know, just admitting that you're wrong and have some work to do and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, I, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but, but what do you do with that when our culture all around us is saying, there is no sin anymore? That's an irrelevant text. You don't have to confess your sin. It's all covered already. You don't even have to do anything about it. God's just got you covered. And, and there, there's no functional or, or significant reason why you would confess your sins. Um, that's the message around, all, you know, in so many, and even in, in churches that, that suddenly what was sin is no longer sin and we, we, have, uh, we hear all kinds of debates about that, which is an altering of God's truth, an altering of what is in Scripture. And so if it's in Scripture and it's very clear, what's the next thing we do? Well, we change our understanding and view and, and authority of Scripture. You change that. It, it is a challenge because John is, is really saying that, that one of the ways you restore fellowship and you restore right living and you, you get back your life on track is by that confession of sin. And thank you for highlighting that, Anna, because, because I think that is, that is one of the most powerful core issues that, that John comes back to because um, the, the, the liars and the, and the deceivers that we're trying to teach them we're leading them in a different direction. Anybody else on that last question? We lay our sins at the cross. Had that powerfully spoke to me just this past week. Saturday at the relief sale, I met a man that I love very dearly. A number of years ago, I would not have said he's necessarily a Christian. He knew about Christ. He knew about salvation, but he didn't really, I think, live in that manner. I saw tremendous changes over the past few number of years. When I walked into the auction building there at the relief sale, he saw me from a distance, quickly walked to me, and asked if it's true what he's heard about my life situation, and I said yes. And I told him how guilty I feel about a lot of things. And he said, you talk about guilt. He said, you must lay them down at the cross. You've got to get rid of those guilt feelings under the blood of Jesus. Friends, that's what it's about. It's laying it down at the cross and allowing Jesus to live his life through you, the one you have fellowship with, within you. Lay it at the cross. Yeah, uh... On verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies from all sin. 
if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. So the point is, if we walk in the light, then we'll have fellowship with each other. And the point at here is not about claiming, it's not about talking, it is about walking. Our walking testifies whether what we claim is right or wrong. Okay? Our action speaks louder than our words. That is the point. So here it says you don't need to claim that you are walking in the light, but you have to walk in the light. Uh, that has to be just the way that he testified. He said that at the beginning of this, this epistle, he said that we testify to you what we heard, what we see, what we looked at, what we touched. So in this case also, he said that you don't need to claim, but show us by walking and not by talking. That is it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Well, uh, thank you. Any last comments? I really appreciate you preaching the sermon for me. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah. So thank you very much. Let's show our appreciation to them. I'm so impressed because each of them gave... Uh, what is a significant part of the outline of my of the message that I worked at preparing? Um, just to say a little bit of, more about the Word of Life, and I want to highlight a couple of things, tie them in, and then we'll we'll work at wrapping up. In John one one to five, you have this uh, not First John, but John the Gospel John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him. Nothing uh, came into being that has come into being. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Some versions say and the darkness has never put it out. I love that phrase. There's no way that you can put out that that phrase, that, that light and uh, I forget one, there was a couple of comments here that reflected on the fact that, that uh, the, the word of life is, is Christ. Christ is the word. And so that is a pretty significant part of this. Um, so we, we have heard very clearly that, that our faith is about carrying the word of life within us. And so that our faith is, is proved by God's actions and paying attention to that. And, and I think that's an important part of it is that we, we, we note, and that's why we gave you notebooks for this series to highlight the fact that, that there's an opportunity for us to take note, underline, and much like this form of dealing with scripture is to take enough time to actually let the, the word of, of Christ and the word of scripture uh, to dwell within us. 
Secondly, our faith should be personal. Um, I so appreciated Willie's testimony. Um, you know, I've been through some really tough times here and, um, and some tough decisions. And, and it, it, it gets real when it's our life situations and we're making decisions. And not everybody may understand it or not everybody may agree with it or we may think that other people look at us in a certain way. And the only issue is this for us. Do you feel that it is Christ's calling? And do you feel the spirit of, of the living Christ leading and guiding that? And so um, claim that and walk in that way and if you're in the going in the wrong direction, trust in God to, to steer you. I, I just love this imagery of the fact that somebody once said, you know, um, if you go out and get in your car in the driveway and you keep trying to steer it without ever turning it on and without moving, that in the old days before power steering, you couldn't hardly turn the steering wheel that it's the movement that makes it easier to steer. God can direct our paths and our life better when we're willing courageously sometimes to move and to, and to start going and saying, the best I can hear is this direction and I'm gonna go for that. And, and, then, I'll, and then continue to listen for God to give the directions. Um, we won't go into the whole GPS thing I have way too many thoughts and convictions that are not necessarily godly related to the use of GPS. Anyway, um, but uh, we, it, our faith needs to be personal and applied to our actual situation. And, and we heard this very clearly. Our faith should be practical. We are called to actually live it out. Um, and I want to share with you the verses that follow this and, and listen to these verses. This is 1 John Two, one to six. Listen, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So it's actually a comment related to what he, we just read in, first, in the first chapter. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then he says, and this is the part that you should really be highlighting. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him, in Christ. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That We heard that clearly here. Put it into action. If it's worth believing, I'm going to live it. And it doesn't matter how unpopular that is. So asking questions like, how do you treat a waiter or a waitress? How patient are you with your children? Can you be trusted to do what you promise? Can you keep a confidence? Do you curse or use vulgar language? Do you put a Jesus save sticker on your bumper 
and then scream at other drivers for how slow they're going? Do you forgive and show grace to others? Do you spend time with your kids? Do you pay your bills? Uh, Do you owe people money? Do you help others joyously? On and on and on. Make it practical. Live it out. That's what will bring the word of life to this world. And we all know how desperately it's needed. So it's got to be something that is proved by God's actions. We need to be convinced it's personal, it's practical, and it's also this partnership of the fellowship. We write this to make our joy complete, is what John said. In other words, that fellowship is so powerful. Um, uh, Vine said in one of the commentaries, the life was manifested not merely to reveal God, but to bring the redeemed into relationship with him. And finally, our faith is to be proclaimed. It is to be uttered, and, and it is, in fact, uh, a faith that is designed. Um, we notice in Acts 4.31, uh, where it says, uh, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was sh- shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's pretty powerful, that we speak the word of God boldly. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of time that we spend with so many things that are not that meaningful. But the most powerful thing that we have is the ability to make an impact by speaking life into others, speaking hope, speaking the living word of Jesus Christ. Um, I love the, the, the song that's popular on the radio now, I speak the name of Jesus over you. I think that's what we should all be called to. Speak the name of Jesus over each other, over all those we meet. It, it's up to them what they do with it, but speak the name of Jesus over people. Maybe it's a whisper. Maybe it's in your mind. Maybe if you're driving in your car and, and maybe it's a really challenging time and challenging people that are hard to love. Speak the name of Jesus over them because it will not only perhaps change their situation, it will change you to have a more loving and caring heart. And so it's, it's a powerful thing. I have, I was going to bring it, I didn't. Uh, there's a history book that is, um, is, is written by a person by the name of Philip Schaff. I I hated history in school. You know that. I've told you that before. Uh, And then I got to seminary and found out I had to take three massive courses on hundreds of years of dates and times and events and so forth. And this young professor came in and taught it. And um, one of the textbooks was a two-volume set, each about six, seven hundred pages long of history. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm never going to survive this. Anyway... Long story short, out of that course, I fell in love with history. But here's what Schaff, the guy that wrote these massive volumes, here's what he said. And I close with this. He said, This Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon. Without science, 
He shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence, eloquence of schools, he spoke su- such words as life as were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he set pens in motion and per- furnished theme, themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times put together. That is the word of life.